in a series uh, called Home Sweet Home, and we're talking about the blessings of a healthy local church. Last week, Pastor Chris brought a great message, and uh, in his message, he asked the question, am I willing? And I've got a question I want to ask you today as well in part two of our series uh, about the local church. But I love, you know, I'm a church person. I grew up in church. Uh, the church is a big part of my life. And so being a part of a healthy local church is key for us to thrive as Christians. One of my favorite verses is found in Psalm 92, and it says that the righteous will flourish. They'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. So God's design is for us to be planted in the house of the Lord so that our lives can flourish. The local church is a great gift that he's given us as a community of believers. And so for the church, to find a church that's healthy, that's thriving, that's growing. I was thinking about what makes a church healthy. Well, that the word of God is preached, right? It's Bible-based truth uh, preaching. It's, it's Holy Spirit-led. Uh, it's, it's pastors that have integrity in leadership, that there's service to the community and to each other. There's authentic and genuine relationships that are being formed. There's a spirit of hospitality uh, within the church. There's a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And I really feel like you find all of that right here. You know, when I talk to your pastors, uh, they're, they're, they're so authentic and genuine in their heart for this city and how much they talk about you guys. Just so you know, they're praying for you and thinking about you all the time. Uh, just about in every conversation we have, how they care for the team here and have developed the team. They are uh, they are special. And uh, so sometimes you just need to hear it from somebody else to, to know how good you have it. And uh, you have a good church. And I want to encourage you to, to put some roots down and to be be planted here and let let this church be a blessing Amen. to your life. So if you have, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn over to the book of Third John. It's in the almost at the very end of the New Testament. It's a very short book, and we're going to look at a passage there. It'll be kind of the foundation for our thought today. But as we talk about the church, the local church, and it being a blessing and it being healthy, I think we have to talk about ourself. We have to talk about you and I, because when God talks about the church, he's not talking about a building. He's not just talking about a place. He's talking about a people. So for us to really experience the blessing of a healthy local church, that means you and I need to be healthy. Amen. If you're taking notes today, the title of my message is keys to winning within. And the question that I want to ask you today is, am I healthy? Am I healthy? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today and the opportunity to dig into your word. I pray that you would give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, and give us a heart to receive everything that you would have for us. Lord, take your word and divide it up to a thousand different ways so that each of us would hear exactly what it is that you want us to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And amen. I, uh, several years ago, my wife and I moved into our current house. We've been there for about nine years. And I love my house. It's an upgrade over our first starter home. Uh, it's got room enough. We've been able to expand our family. We've got an 11-year-old daughter. Uh, we've got a three-year-old son. He's about to turn four. Actually, I've got a picture of them uh, to show you. Just about, you know, this is, this is my family. And uh, Levi is our, he's our team loud He's our extrovert. He wakes up in the morning and he shouts. Uh, he's like the clanging symbol the Bible talks about that you're, 
if you wake up your neighbor with a, with a loud shout in the morning. And uh, Lacey's our little princess, and uh, she's tender. She's going into sixth grade starting middle school this year, so pray for us. Pray for her. And uh, we're church people, so she's starting our youth ministry this week as well. So uh, I, I'm going, you better believe I'm going to youth service on, uh, on Wednesday night this week uh, to be there with her. But our family has grown. There's room for us to uh, each have our own space. And, 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 you know, it's the conveniences of your house that you love. It's in a great location. It's close to everything that we need. There's grocery stores close by. Our church and our work is less than 10 minutes away. The elementary school is like just down the street. We can walk to it. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the neighborhood is quiet and we've got friendly neighbors. And I just love when, even when I travel to come home and just have this feeling of like, mm, home sweet home. Right. It's my own bed and my own pillow and the, the water pressure. It's good, strong water pressure at the house. And the water in Memphis is some of the best water in the world. Uh, tastes good. So all the conveniences and all the familiarity of my house. I love my house. There's just one thing about it that frustrates me, especially during the summertime. Every week I'll walk out and I'll get ready to cut the grass, do my, you know, man of the house duties. And uh, my side yard is, is really nice and lush. And we've got this great tree in the front yard. It's actually one of the biggest trees in the neighborhood. And my backyard is great. But for some reason, my front yard, I just can't seem to get the grass to grow. It just doesn't look quite as good. There's areas that are okay, but there's one half of the yard that I actually have to water the yard before I cut the grass so that the dust and the dirt doesn't, doesn't kick up. I'm just, I'm just running over the dirt and, uh, and making it worse when I, when I mow the grass. And what's worse is that every time I get out there and I cut my grass and I'm working hard to do my, uh, my lawn. Ladies, if you were here for the women's conference, my wife told you how we were uh, redoing all of our flower beds. We as in me uh, redid all of our flower beds and try to improve the curb appeal. And so all that did was accentuate how bad my yard looks. So every week I go out there and cut the grass and I stand and I look across the street at my neighbor's yard. And it's the kind of yard that has like that sign of, that goes up, yard of the month. You know, he's a retired veteran. Everything is in place and sharpers, crisp lines all across the sidewalk. It's lush and green. There's no weeds in his flower beds. It's the kind of grass that you just want to take your shoes off and just walk through it. And I wish I could have a yard that looks like that. And I know sometimes when we look at the landscape of our own life, it can feel like that sometimes, that we have areas that we're proud of, that we look at and we say, hey, that area is thriving and that is healthy. But then there's sometimes other areas in our life when we look at and we just wish it could be better. We wish that we could get the grass to grow. And it makes it worse when we look over at somebody else's life and we start to compare and we say, well, they're healthy. They're thriving. Why can't I? And see, the kind of life that God wants us to live is a life that's thriving. That's why he's given us this local church to plant our life. And so the question that we want to ask today, am I healthy, is not just about you, but it's about the church. See, God's plan is for you to be healthy. God's plan is for you to thrive. In 3 John uh, chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health. Everybody say good health. good health. And that it may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. God wants you to prosper. 
God wants you to be healthy. You see, you need to be healthy so that you can experience the fullness of God's blessing in your life. Your friends need you to be healthy so that you can shine the light of God's goodness so that they can see it. Your family needs you to be healthy so that you can lead them into the peace that God has for them. Your church needs you to be healthy so that you can unlock the gifts that God has placed in your life and help the church grow. God needs you to be healthy so that he can be glorified in your life. See, Matthew 5, 16 tells us to shine your light among men so that they can see your good deeds and give glory to your father in heaven. So the question we're asking today, am I healthy? Am I healthy? How do you know? What's the, how do I know when I look out in, in my life and determine, is this area healthy or not? Well, the same answer is simple. It's by the kind of fruit that you're producing in your life. If you have your Bibles, turn over to the book of Galatians chapter 5. And just to give you a little background here, Paul, in, in setting this up, Paul is speaking to this church and he's, he's talking about setting up this idea of what we all go through when we get saved and, and working out our salvation. Because wouldn't it be amazing that once we gave our life to Jesus, that everything was just perfect. There was no more struggles. We didn't get angry anymore. We didn't get impatient about things. We made more money on our job and had everything that we needed. Wouldn't it be just amazing if all of that happened in one moment? Well, it doesn't happen that way. And Paul is talking to them about how to walk out and, and how to continually grow in our relationship with God. You see, when we get saved, our spirit is born again. The part that connects us to God, the eternal part of us, we're, we're a three-part being made in the image and likeness of God, spirit, soul, and body. And God wants our whole being, 1 Thessalonians 5 talks about our whole being, spirit, soul, and body being purified so our spirit is made new when we give our life to Christ, we're forgiven, it's born again. But we have to walk through this process of sanctification. This is where our flesh and our soul, our mind, our will and emotions come into play. And we're working out this process of salvation as we grow closer to God. So Paul is encouraging them in this idea to keep moving and, and keep on this journey of sanctification. In verse 19 of chapter 5, he starts and he's talking about this battle of the, the, that takes place within. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So how do we know if we're healthy? Look at the fruit in our life. If it's unhealthy, you're going to see sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. When he's talking about the kingdom of God, he's talking about the fullness of life that God wants us to live as Christians. But he gives us some good news. He said, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Somebody say every part. Every part, every part of our life. We should see this fruit. We should have joy on our job. Yeah. 
We should have patience with our family and our spouses. We should have peace in our home. In every part of our life, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. What's Paul trying to say? Hey, let's get healthy. Let's get healthy. You know you're healthy by the fruit you're producing in your life. So I want to give you three keys to winning within. How do we get healthy? How do we produce good fruit in our life? Number one, we have to take responsibility for your health. You have to take responsibility. See, my neighbor, he's not watering my yard. He's not cutting my grass. He's not putting down fertilizer and edging uh, right my sidewalk. No, no, no. That's on me. If I want my grass to grow, I've got to take care of it. I've got to be the one to putting in the time and the, the investment and, and cultivating that. See, one of the fruits of the Spirit that it talks about is self-control. This idea that we have control over our self. God helps us with that. So we have to put in work. So it starts with taking responsibility. The second thing I think we can do to, to get healthy and to, to improve areas of our life is maybe we need to change your environment. You know, your environment is a huge influence on you. It gives you options, whether good or bad, uh, to help determine decisions that you make. It's the people that you're around, the values, uh, the norms of the culture that you're part of. It's the conversations that you're partaking in, the things that you watch, that you hear, that you experience. This is, this is how you spend your time. You know, when you look at your environment, you look at your, your, how do I spend my money? How do I spend my time? Those are the things that show us what we value the most. And if we need to reorder some of those things and replace them into a different area, maybe we need to change our environment. Maybe a simple step to health is just simply changing your environment. You need to leave the environment that you're in and move to a new one. We see stories in the Bible. Uh, the father of the faith, Abraham, when God appeared to him, he was in his father's country. It was full of idol worship. And he took him out of that land and brought him to a new land so that he could worship God and experience the fullness of him. He took his people, the Israelites, he took them out of Egypt. That was They were slaves and they had this, this subservient mindset. They, they learned to then rely on God and he brought them into a new land, a new environment where they could learn to thrive and to flourish. He took this guy named, named Saul out of the synagogue that was full of religiosity and legalism and and, and, and self-works, and he brought him into the grace of God and got him around the disciples of Christ and, and, and gave him a new revelation, changed his environment, and it changed his world. He took Mary off the streets and gave her a community, gave her a home, gave her a new life. She went to follow Jesus, became one of his disciples that, that followed him. So sometimes we need to leave the environment that we're in. It's a simple change, a simple shift. But there's also times I know where we have some things that are unhealthy in our life that we're struggling with and we can't just leave it. We're, we're maybe stuck there. Maybe it's a relationship that we're in and we're committed to. Maybe it's a job that we're a part of and, and we can't just up and leave and up and change. But what we can do is begin to make little changes within the environment to eliminate the negative influences. 
other people, places, things that we need to eliminate. Here's something that I've learned as far as making changes in the environment in my health journey physically is that it's a whole lot easier to choose an apple when there's no Oreos in the pantry. It's a lot harder because my daughter still loves Oreos. She'll ask me, when you go to the store, can you get more Oreos? And I have to choose between how much I love my daughter and operating in self-control at home, right? It's, but making those little changes, right? If you struggle with drinking, don't go to the bar. Don't bring alcohol into your house. If you struggle with lustful thoughts, how about not watching TV shows or going to movies that have sexual content? When somebody good looking walks by, don't take a second look. Don't linger. If you're in an unhealthy relationship, maybe try breaking it off. Delete their phone number. If you're, you're feeling anxious and you have this uh, unhealth of comparing and, and dealing with insecurity, maybe unfollow those influencers on Instagram. Because we just, all we see is a life of perfection. And, and nobody is perfect. We're talking about being healthy, remember? Healthy, not, not perfect. So, so, so unfollow them. Cut that out. Cut out the social media. Block them on Facebook. If you have a problem with spending too much and not being a good steward, how about just cut up your credit card? Use cash instead. See, whatever the area is in our life where we've got the unhealth, we can make changes within it, in our environment. They're going to help us take steps towards health. See, I can't, I can't just take my yard and move it across the street. I have to deal with the environment that I have. So I can cut the tree, trim it up a little bit so some more sun will get in. I can put down some new sod that's more shade tolerant than level the grass out. I can water it more often. I can put fertilizer down to change the environment that I'm in. If you can't leave it, then change it. And here's number three. I think in the process of getting health, we just need to get rid of the garbage. We need to get rid of the garbage. You know, for some of us, as we look at the landscape, it's, it's dry and, and dusty. But for some of us, it's just become a dump. There's, there's left litter on the ground. There's, there's trash that's been left there. There's other people's baggage and garbage that they've just dumped on us that we've allowed to stay there. There's our failures and mistakes that we've just decided to live with and be okay with. And, and we look out and we don't have a yard. We have a garbage dump. And see, it's great to change the environment, but if you bring the trash with you, it's still going to stink. And God's given us these emotions, this soul, this, this how we think and feel to help guide us and experience this life. And emotions are a part of who we are. It's how our soul speaks to us, but we can't be controlled by our emotions. But if we don't control them, if we don't deal with them, some of the garbage in our life, then they can control us. Right. This is part of maturing as a Christian. Yes. This is the sanctification yes. process. Sanctification is all about getting healthy. Maybe there's things in our life we deal with. Unforgiveness, anger, strife, envy, greed, grief. All of these things are opposite kind of fruits of what's mentioned in, in Galatians. So we have to deal with the trash. And many of us deal with it in different ways. I think there's some unhealthy ways that we deal with the garbage in our life. Rather than getting rid of it, we just try to deal with it. So there's some things that we do. We, we get our blindfolds out. And we just pretend like it's not there. 
We, we ignore. If I just if I just don't even pay attention to it, then it'll go away. How many of you know that doesn't work? The garbage is still there. And sometimes when you when you just let it be, it grows and it festers and it even gets worse. Um, how about this one? We, we get nose blind to it. Have you ever heard the term nose blindness? It's like when you get so used to a smell or an environment that you just don't even recognize it anymore. Uh, like you, you, some air freshener, you can put an air freshener in a room and after so often your nose just adapts to that smell and it's not as strong anymore. Yes. But somebody else comes into that environment for the first time and they're like, oh, wow. And so our trash can get stinky. There's, there's times when I come home uh, from a little trip and something got left in the garbage can and you walk in the house and you're like, oh. But if you're around it long enough, you just get used to it. And you've become to accept it as part of life. And you don't realize that it's still there. And see, God doesn't want us to be nose blind to the trash in our life. We're not dealing with it if we do that. How about this one? How about this one? We, we go get the air freshener. Oh, people are coming over. We gotta. We we gotta. We we don't want them to see our trash, smell our trash, so we just try to cover it up. And it's just a temporary solution, and it and, and it's just surface level because eventually the air freshener is gonna go away, and the smell is gonna come back, and the trash is gonna be there. Or how about this one? We get the bug spray out. We've got roaches and bugs flying around. And, and so, so we call the exterminator to come and get rid of the pests. And we spray, oh, I've got to get rid of them. If I get rid of the roaches, it'll be clean. But the reality is the roaches are there because the trash is there. So all we're doing is treating the symptoms. We're not treating the problem. We're not dealing with it. And can I tell you, there is a problem in society right now that we have... So just tried to not deal with anything. I don't want any stress. This cancel culture. If it bothers me, if it offends me, I'm just going to cut it off. And life does not work that way. You can't eliminate stress in your life. It's going to happen. It's going to come. The best thing to do is learn how to deal with stress so that when it comes, you have the ability to handle it well. And God wants to help us. But here's what I found. Most of the time in my life, when I've got areas that are unhealthy, I'm the one that's caused the problem. I eat garbage and I pray for healing. We spend too much and fill our houses with things that we don't need and we run up debt. And then we pray for God to give us supernatural debt cancellation. Lord, we don't communicate with our spouse and we sow seeds of strife and then we ask God to heal our marriage. See, when we're contributing to the problem... It's not going to get any better. So we've got to take ownership. We've got to take responsibility and get rid of the garbage. So how do we do that? We roll it out to the curb. Every week the garbage man comes and he picks up all that garbage that we've collected and accumulated over the week and he takes it to the dump. We need to get the garbage out of our life. Roll it out to the curb. Let the, let the garbage man come and take it away. Don't hold on to it. And maybe you need help. Maybe you need to talk to somebody. Maybe there's something you've been struggling with and, and haven't been able to get, get, get over. Talk to a friend. Talk to a pastor. Come on, talk to a professional. And, and when I look at the, the gifts that God wants to give us and the blessing, I think if there's one thing I could say as, as children of God, as Christians, if we could master this area, it will solve a whole lot of the unhealthy areas in our life. If we could come, become masters in the art of forgiveness, 
I think it'll solve a lot of the emotional baggage that we have in our life. See, forgiveness is a beautiful gift from God. In John chapter 1, verse 9, he says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As Christians, God has forgiven us. He's wiped the slate clean for us. We've experienced this great gift of forgiveness. It's a beautiful gift. But it's much more than a gift. As Christians, it's also a command. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. We all know the Lord's Prayer, right? Uh, Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive those uh, who sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, right? We all know the Lord's Prayer, but we tend to stop there. We don't, we don't keep reading. If you go on and read verse 14 right after that, Jesus is continuing to teach them how to pray. He said, for if you forgive others their trespasses, the Amplified says their reckless and willful sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's great. Let's stop right there. No, no, there's more. There's more. But if you do not forgive others, if you nurture your hurt and anger with the result that it interferes with your relationship with God, then your father will not forgive your trespasses. That's words in red, people. That's Jesus. If we don't forgive, God won't forgive us. And I think for many of us, we've been struggling with forgiving people, people who have done us wrong. I mean, why should they be able to be free? Why should they get released from this? And we've talked ourselves into thinking that if we have this unforgiveness, that, that we actually have control over that situation. But the reverse is true. See, when we carry unforgiveness and we harbor bitterness in our life, it just produces anger. It produces hurt. Because forgiveness is more about you than it is about them. See, it's God's gift to you, not only to experience it, but to be able to give it so that you can be free from the bondage that comes. We think that if we hold on to an offense, that they're indebted to us. But Jesus is the only one that can pay the debt. And he says to let him be the one that gets vengeance. See, unforgiveness, it causes us to create a wall around our heart. And initially it's there to keep negative things out. We don't want to get hurt anymore. It's a natural response to that. But that wall ultimately becomes a prison that keeps us in and keeps us from being able to experience healthy relationships in our life. See, unforgiveness is like when we carry this trash around with us everywhere we go. And every time I meet somebody, uh, I have the opportunity to experience the fullness that God has in a relationship, but there's a little bit of anger that comes out. Or somebody says something, I get triggered, and there's, there's hurt that comes out, and I'm just spilling my trash, and I, everywhere I'm walking around, I'm leaving trash around, and every area of my life then becomes polluted because of this harboring unforgiveness in my own life. So if we can just learn to bring it to God and release it to Him, let Him take it out. Let Him take it to the curb. The walls that were built to protect us don't need to become our prison. Jesus said he would protect us. And God's got some great things that he wants to bring into your life. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're dealing with that, if it's something that's a struggle for you, listen, I know. Say, Pastor John, you don't know what that person did to me. You're right, I don't. You don't know how bad they hurt me. I know. You might even say, Pastor John, the, the hurt that I have was from the church. 
somebody in the church who was supposed to be a Christian. They were supposed to be a, a leader, a pastor, and they hurt me. Well, can I, can I repent in their place? Can I say I'm sorry if the church has hurt you? If someone that's supposed to have been a leader in your life has done something wrong to, to hurt you? The church is not perfect. And if you can release that to God, then he can bring in some new things into your life, some blessings. There's some gifts that are left untapped. Some of you may be sitting on your hands and not experiencing all of the blessing of the local church because you've been hurt and you're afraid to be hurt again. But this is a good place. This is a safe place to deal with those things. So I want to encourage you to let God in. Give it to him, take it to the curb, roll it out. And the last thing that I want to tell, tell you is uh, to, to deal with it, healthy way to deal with it is that we can recycle it. We need to learn from it and allow it to become something productive. Romans chapter eight, verse 28 says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. You see, Paul, the greatest apostle, has written most of the New Testament. He spent a lot of time in prison but that prison cell became a platform for him to spread the message of hope. And in your life, that prison cell can become a platform for you to share the goodness of God in your life, for his grace to be manifest in your life. When we allow God into our hearts and allow him to do the work in our soul, he can turn anything around. The battles that you're facing, they won't break you, they will build you. The scars that you have will become the strongest parts of your life. The test will become your testimony. The fight is going to make you fierce and your mistakes will mature you so that God gets the glory. I'm here today to tell somebody who feels like the devil has had you on the ropes that he may have won a couple of rounds, but the fight isn't over. You've got more in you. The Lord is in your corner. And if God is for you, who can be against you? So get up and go again. Now is your time. You take control. This is your round. This is your time to shine so that God can be glorified in you and through you. Are you healthy? Are you healthy? God wants you to be healthy so you can experience the fullness that he has for you so the church can grow and be built and so that God can get the glory. Come on, let's make a commitment today to be healthy in every area of our life. Can we do that today? Can we thank God for his word this morning?